Welcome to the Revive Podcast with Pastor Jennifer Kofi. Be blessed as you listen to today's message. Again, let's remain standing and we want to read our key verse from Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20 and 21. We will read those two verses together. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20 and 21. Proverbs 18, 20 and 21. Hallelujah. And we have it on our screen. Want to read together. It says, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. 21. The death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Hallelujah. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Hallelujah. And Father, we thank you so much for this morning, for the privilege of coming into your presence. We notice and we identify that your glory is in this house. There's such a sweet, sweet spirit of the Lord just flowing in this place. And Lord God, we release ourselves into that. Take us wherever you want to take us. Minister your word, oh God, bring healings, bring, Lord God, power to deal with anything that is outstanding. And Father, teach us anew. Bring us even into the mind of Christ. We thank you. We give you all the praise this morning. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, oh Lord, my God and my Redeemer. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Oh, thank you, Lord. We thank God so much for this morning and for the time of worship. Um, I don't know, but the songs sort of hits me in a different way than I have sung them in the past. But I really thank God and honor God so much for his vessel that he used this morning. God bless you, (laughs) ma'am. God bless you. Amen. Amen. All right. So last week, we began to speak on the word of faith, the word of faith. And I said last week that there is a dimension of faith that is released or that is expressed in words in the spoken, whether it is in prayer or whether you're speaking to somebody else or you're talking to yourself, there's a dimension of faith that is released and expressed in words. But last week, we took our time to go into how to receive the word of God into you because we we came to the conclusion that you cannot give what you don't have. If it is not in you, you may not be able, you will not be able to speak it out. And even if you spoke it out, it will just be on your lips. And so it will not have any power. It will not make any impact. Hallelujah. And so we spent time last week in Mark chapter four, and we read about 20 verses, just looking into the parable of the sower. And I've been listening. Okay. It's not public yet, but I've had the chance to listen to the message 
over and over again. And I keep like, I'm like, it's as though somebody else was preaching it. And I believe that that's the power of God's word because it's that potent. And so if you've not heard that, you might want to listen to that. And then all of what we are going to do on top of it today will sort of think and, and look very nice. Hallelujah. Now, this morning, we are going to move on. Now that you have the word, you have received it. We learned about the different grounds and how you can move from one level to the other. You don't have to remain a wayside ground. You don't have to remain a thorny ground. You don't have to remain a stony ground. You can always make it to a good ground. So now that we are good ground, praise we are good ground. Yes, for those who are here, some people don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, but now, when you listen to the previous message, everything will sit. But now that we are good ground, what do we do? What do we do with the word that we have received? Will it just, you know, be in our hearts? Is it just in our hearts? Or it will go further than that. Now, the language of faith or the speaking of faith can only be a product of the deposit of the word of God inside you. In other words, if I wake up today and I don't have the word of God in me, but I say it's going to be a good day, I'm not really speaking the language of faith because the language of faith has roots and that root is stemmed in the word of God and is stemmed in the conviction or belief in God. Okay, all right, we'll come back to that. So in Luke chapter six, and we'll see this in another, I think we'll read it in Matthew as well later on, just to make my points clear. In Luke chapter six, it says in verse 45, that the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills, fills his heart. Other version says, for out of the heart or out of the abundance, out of the abundance, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, what we get on your lips is a glimpse of what is actually inside you. When you meet somebody and the person, you, you know, you start interacting and the person begins to speak, you know, and maybe, oh, they, 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 they say something like maybe an insult and they say, oh, sorry. They've given you a window into what actually fills their heart. So what we speak is like a, the tip or the window into the real room and what is really on the inside of you. So Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the mouth releases. And it says, if you are good within, or if you have good in your storehouse, in other words, the heart is the storehouse. It says, if you have good in your treasuries. So that place will be called the storehouse. That place would be our heart because in at the end of the verse, it tells us that out of the abundance of the heart. So that means the heart is where you are storing everything. So now the heart becomes the storehouse, either for good 
or for evil. If it is God's word, it's good. If it is not God's word, it's evil. And it's telling us that from that storehouse, you pick and you speak. Okay. So, why would it be important to speak the word of faith? Last week, we understood what the word of faith is, the word of God concerning your life in whatever form it comes. That is the word of faith. Why would it be important to speak the word of faith? We've, we've, we've accepted that we should be good ground. Now we are, we are all good ground. All of us are good ground. Why, what was the point in speaking the word of faith? Other people may even say, but I don't feel like it. If you're telling me, speak the word of faith. I don't feel like speaking the word of faith. I'm not in the mood. I'm down. Allow me to be down. What is the word of faith? Someone may take that position. Another set of people may even say that speaking the word of faith means that I'm lying because it doesn't match maybe what I'm experiencing, right? So all of these reasonings are there. And so I ask myself, why then should we speak the word of faith? If it is possible that it is not how you feel, if it is possible that the word of faith might contradict what you are actually experiencing around you, why should we then speak the word of faith? Isn't it wrong? Is it not wrong to speak the word of faith? I asked myself that. You see, the word of faith, speaking it, is a kingdom principle. It's a principle. Two, it's a principle of life. It is a principle. It is a principle. It is a principle. And when you want to establish biblical or kingdom principles, you go back to the word of God and you look at where it first shows up. Does it show up? Is it consistent through scripture? So now this principle is not binding to you and I only. In Genesis chapter 1, Bible tells us that God decided to create. And then what we hear is, then God said, I didn't do the count of the number of times Genesis 1 and even 2 says, then God says, then God said, but it's quite a number of times. And every time something would have to come up, every time something would have to be created or show up, it will be preceded by, then God said. It doesn't say then he moved his hand. It doesn't say that then he thought it and then it happened. It says, then God said. In other words, this principle binds God himself. Not just us. It binds God himself. Hebrews 11 puts it this way. It says, the world was framed by the word or by faith. It says by faith, the world was framed. And it says by the word of God. Hebrews eleven three. So by faith, the worlds were framed by the word of God. So God himself spoke everything into being by faith, he himself. And I'm asking myself, what did he believe in? He believed in himself. 
and he applied his own principle to himself from the very beginning. Now, in between that, there are several instances where things are spoken. Either somebody else is speaking it to another or somebody is speaking it to themselves and you would notice the psalmist in, in the book of Psalms, you notice how David speaks to himself or the psalmist, whoever, Asaf, whoever is writing, how the nature of that book shows speaking to yourself. So that principle continues. And then we come into the New Testament and even salvation follows that same principle. So you go into Romans chapter 10 and let's read 9 and 10. Romans 10. 9 and 10, and we'll come back to this passage a little bit later to clarify a few things, but just to establish that it is the principle of the kingdom. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. It says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, am I, okay, my version is different. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let's add the 10 to it. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Amen. So even our salvation follows the same principle. Even our salvation follows the same principle. Even our salvation follows the same principle. And I know that maybe you've heard people abuse their term declaration, confession. So when you start to talk about speak the word of faith, people are like, hmm, hmm, there we go again. But I just want you to pay attention because this is the principle of the kingdom and we can't do anything about it. You and I can't. This morning, I, I had to catch myself several times when I was saying stuff based on how I felt rather than based on who I am in Christ. And I'm like, oh God, I really need to practice this thing because I don't do well at it. But it is the principle of the kingdom and we cannot live outside of this principle. Now for the people who feel like if I say that it is well with me or if I say that by his stripes I am healed, I am lying, this would be my response. My response would be it depends on which reality you are living in. Period. If you feel that confessing the word of God makes it's like it's a lie because it doesn't match your experience, my response to you would be fair. I mean, you, you're probably right because that being false or true would depend on which reality you are living in. So if you are living in the reality of who you are in Christ, it is the things of that kingdom and that realm that you must speak. If you are living in the reality of this earth, the storms that are raging, the COVID, the economic downturns, the lack of jobs, then fine, it's okay. That one is your reality. And if you speak at that, that means you are contradicting your reality. So before we go any further, all of us must come to the place where we make a decision that see, if I am of Christ, 
then I must seek those things above and I am above. And if that conviction settles in your heart, then we know, we all know that this is the reality we are talking about is not when I wake up in the morning and when I brush my teeth, but the reality we are talking about is that spiritual reality. And if that is true for you, then confessing the word of God is, is your reality. So your, your flesh can feel one way, but your spirit dictates what you say because that is your reality. That is my answer to the people who say that speaking the word of faith is a lie. And I'm, I'm, I'm preaching this from a very, you know, like my, myself, I've sat down to think and ask the questions because there have been times where I felt that way, but it's not gone, but it's still there. So why, why are you saying I'm healed? Why should I say I'm healed? I've been there. So I'm not talking from up to down. I'm talking as someone who's walking through those places as well. And I believe that what God is saying is that, Jennifer, what reality are you living in? Is it what, when, when, when God was speaking creation into being, <laughs> there was nothing. Bible says gross darkness had covered the face of the deep. There was chaos. Everything was out of order. And still, he spoke those things into being. And somehow, they showed up. So it depends on what reality. And Hebrews 11 gives us a window into what God was doing. He had faith in himself. And based on what he knew he carried or who he is, out of there, he pulled the things into being. He was not looking at the chaos outside. He was not looking at the situation outside. He was not looking at the circumstances. And that's what is there. But that's, he's more than that. And so he spoke from who he is. If you know who you are in Christ, if you know who your God is, you speak from that perspective. You speak from that angle and not from the angle of what you are in terms of the physical or what you're experiencing in the physical. So my response is, it depends on which reality you are in. And you get to choose that. You get to choose which reality you live by. You get to choose that. Now, this would be the reason why you must allow the word of God into you and allow the word of God to take root in you. You know, going, as I pondered over the message from last week, I went back to read Mark 4 again, and a verse struck me that didn't strike me last week. The verse 13, it struck me. It says, <laughs> do you not understand this parable? That is Jesus speaking to them when they asked him, what does it mean? And then he says, do you not understand this parable? Then he says, how then will you understand all the parables? In other words, understanding the principle of re receiving the word and retaining it will be the key to understanding any other mystery of the Lord or of the kingdom. So Jesus was putting very early in his ministry, was teaching them something that is foundational. 
If you get that, if you understand how to handle the word of God, how to receive it in your heart, everything else follows in that line. So, if you have the word of God in you, that is what opens you up to that realm because the word of God speaks of the things of that realm. News will tell you that, you know, Elevi is so, so, and so. And when you do send the momo, my, my God, sometimes your heart, like you're looking at it and you know when you get to that part where they say you will be charged, Elevi, you're like, ah, can I not send the money? So that's the physical and the world around us that is what it tells us. We see those things all the time. But when I'm looking for spiritual reality or I want to experience my spiritual, it's not in the news. It's not in sending, you know, seeing E-Levy. It's not in the things around us. It can be found in the word. That is your access into spiritual reality. So it's really important. Jesus said, if you don't get this one, if you don't get how to handle the word, you'll be blank. Nothing will be able to go on top of this. He, he calls it the mysteries of the kingdom. Jesus said in, in the verse 11, he says the mysteries of the kingdom. So all the parables Jesus used or taught, he was teaching the mysteries of the kingdom. And the foundational of these was this parable of the sower, which tells you how the sower sows the seed, sows the word, and how the ground must accept it. If you get that right, and you are actually a good ground, and you are retaining seed, the rest of the mysteries, they open up to you. 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 It is the only way, having the word of God in you is the only way to function in the realm of the spirit. And if you don't have the word of God in you, if you don't have the word of God in you and you make the confessions, then that is what makes you tell an all. That, that is what makes you a liar. But if you hold the word of God to be true and it's in your heart, and it's not that you're trying to impress me, but you're speaking what you have come to know in the word. It cannot be a lie because that is the reality of that realm that you belong to and that you're living in. Amen. So we established the cycle yesterday and last week, sorry, we established the cycle or we started to establish a cycle from last week or two weeks ago, I think, we said hearing the word. And when we said hear the word, we don't just mean, you know, you are there and then someone is preaching. And I thought, no, we are talking about hearing it with the natural ear, but paying attention, that is a decision. Paying attention to the word of God, sitting on the word of God or meditating on the word of God to the point of understanding and from that point, it sinks into your heart and then you can say you believe. So you hear the word of God and then you receive it. You receive the word of God. And today I'm adding on to that cycle or that pattern. Speak it. When you have heard it, when you have received it, then speak it. Then speak it. And the interesting thing about speaking the word of God is that it releases a power to do what you're saying. Amen. So 
when you hear the word of God, it produces a certain level of faith in you. But that's not the level of faith that you should remain at. When you hear the word like, I'm speaking today, oh, it touches your heart. You know, like the parable says, he scattered and it falls on the ground. Not that it didn't fall, it will fall. So it will fall on your heart. And the heart knows that mm, something has come here. But you cannot let it remain at the hearing. You cannot let it remain at the hearing. So when you begin to protect that seed and you begin to, you know, take it in and allow it to go in, then it produces another level of faith. And all of this is in Romans chapter 10, what we had read that, you know, you confess with your mouth um, and then you believe with your heart, all of that. And we'll go into Romans chapter 10 in just a moment and just go further. But when you receive the word, when you hear it and you receive the word of God, what happens is that the faith you had when you heard it or you were excited about the word or you heard the testimony and it's like, wow, nice. God is good. What happens when you begin to sit with the word and you begin to ponder over it and you begin to pray through the word in your bid to receive it into you, what happens is that the level of faith you have is different. And that, at that point, it's a personal faith. It's not Christian's faith. It's not we are Christians. That is the point where the faith shifts from the general faith, oh, Jesus is the Lord, he's the Messiah, into your personal faith. That is where it becomes your personal faith. You can, you know, you can hold this up and say, as for me, that is, it's at that point that when storms are coming and things are happening, you are able to stand. Because a lot of people in church fall when there is a problem. Why? Because they have the general faith. Oh, we believe in Jesus. Jesus is good. Praise the Lord. We have that, but we don't move it in that place where it is my conviction, my faith. And that's why Jesus had to check his disciples. He asked them, who do, you, who do people say I am? And they knew what everybody had to say. But when it came to who do you say I am, now people were quiet, waiting for another person to say. That means that it's like, yeah, maybe they believe that he was a son of God, but hey, should we say it? Are we right? So that means the level of faith in that truth or that it is their personal conviction was not really there. And that is why Jesus goes on further after Peter speaks and he says, Jesus responds and says, you know, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. And then it goes down and says, upon this rock, I will build my church. It is when a person comes to that place, when we come to that place where we know it becomes our personal conviction, not your father's, not your pastor's, not your mother's, not your, your brother, your wife, your husband, your children. No, nobody's faith. Your personal faith, when you are tested, that is what comes out of you. When you get to that level, then we are talking. Then we are talking. And it is from here that we must speak. It is from here that we must speak. We must speak from conviction. We must speak from conviction. And as we speak from conviction, that conviction gives us a certain enablement to do, to do what we are supposed to do. Now, it is so interesting to me that in the account of the woman with the issue of blood, that, that account, it's so interesting to me. The Bible says she said, and when you go and check that saying, it says she said it in her heart. 
That was the conviction of her heart. That if I just touch his, the hem of his garment, I will be healed. She said it in her heart. And interestingly, what she thought in her heart and what she believed, she acted, she was able to act on it and she received the miracle just as she thought in her heart. Why didn't the story end there? Why did Jesus have to call her out and make her and, and, uh, and give her the room to declare it publicly? It says she said all, everything that had happened, she, she narrated it. Why is that important? And it's only after that narration that Jesus says, your faith has made you go, go and be healed from your affliction. So I was asking myself, the healing that she got when she pulled the virtue out of Jesus by the touch, it wasn't healing. What happens often is that when you do not speak, when you do not make the confessions, when you do not speak out, what happens is that you can even receive the miracle and lose it. That's what happens. So Jesus was saying that by this utterance, it is settled. By your boldness to come, even before people who would say, why did you come out? To declare that it is by you I am healed. It is settled. Jesus had to deal with that fear. Jesus had to deal with the shame. Jesus had to deal with all those things. And he had to put her in the place where she owned her convictions and could speak them out. And it's only after that that Jesus said, yes, your faith has made you go. Go and be healed of your afflictions. So when you enter into Romans 10, there are a few things now from verse 6 coming down. It says, but the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. It says the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. So when you heard the word of God, it produced a certain faith in you to believe. That faith that causes you to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, Bible says that allows you to be called the righteous. He imputes his righteousness to you at that very moment when you give your life to him, right? So that faith speaks. That righteousness speaks. The righteousness that is based on faith, it speaks. And this is what it says, that that righteousness does not say, or should not say in, in the heart, who will ascend into heaven or who will descend into the abyss. That means this faith should not, after believing, start considering. It says, don't say in your heart, who will ascend? You, you, the righteousness that you receive by faith should settle that issue. So that faith does not say, hmm, again, after you have received, who will now come? No, he's come already. And then he says, or who will ascend into the heavens, that is to bring Christ down. Hello? It says, or, okay, to bring Christ down, or bring him up from the dead. Then he says in verse 8, but what does it say? That righteousness based on faith speaks. This is what it says. It says the word is near you. In other words, it has been offered to you. The word has come to you. We, I have come. I, Jesus, I have come. It is near you. And then it says it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. So what happens is that the word of faith, as I stand here and I speak to you, I am bringing the word to you. It is near you. But that word has to go beyond you hearing it with your ear and it has to go into your heart and it has to be in your mouth. 
It has. Why do they teach you in school? And the teacher will say, say after me, A, A, B, B, or repeat it after me. Why do we do that? Because the, even our natural brain has a, an ability to retain things that you speak from your mouth. If someone it, it, is taught that when you meet somebody and the person, you introduce yourself, and the person tells you, oh, I'm Akosia, you can say, oh, hi, nice meeting you, and walk off. Or you can say, oh, hi, Akosia, it is it's very nice meeting you. And when you walk off, check that too. You will remember the name of the person because you said it. So the word of God that is preached to you cannot be only on the lip of your pastor. Or it cannot just remain in this Bible. It must be in your mouth. It must be in your mouth. And it's interesting that it is the contrast to what was, was before. It says, it, don't say. Don't say in your heart. So when you are able to bring the word of God to the place where it is in your heart and in your mouth, what happens is that it, it, it heals that sickness or the doubt or the considering, huh, is it, is it, no, no. It heals that problem. It says, what does it say? The word, the, the righteousness based on faith, it speaks. And this is what it says, that the word is in your mouth and is in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching to you. That if you should confess with your mouth, and we read that already, confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Then verse 10 says, for with the heart, a person believes and this results in righteousness. But with the mouth, he confesses resulting in salvation. Hallelujah. So to exercise your right standing with God, which is righteousness, you must speak the word of God. You must declare it. You must say it. To exercise your right standing with God, which you got free of charge because you believe. If you believe in your room is good. You have righteousness has been imputed to you. Others will say you are saved. True. But to exercise that salvation, for it to be practical and meaningful to you, you must begin to communicate on the level of, of, of the one to whom you say you belong. The one you call your father now. You must speak his language. You must speak his language. You must speak his language. Now, if um, a, a, a child... A child is born. I think I made this analogy last week. A child is born at that infant stage. The child can, you know, the child has what it wants. If the child wants to eat, the child knows it wants to eat. But communicating it is a, a whole different problem. So maybe they'll put you at the back. They'll do this to you. They'll do this to you. Uh, because... At that moment, you cannot communicate clearly. You try this, try this, try this, and then maybe you land. Or maybe by reason of watching your child over and over, you know that, okay, this is what the child will want. But the mark of a proper development of a child is, is, an, is one of the marks of a proper development of a child is their speech ability. So when a child is one or two, 
the way the child will speak and communicate, which is not really, should not be the same way that when the child is 10, the person will be communicating, right? Otherwise, we'll say, say, ah, I say, people will say retarded, whatever word you want to use, but it means that there is a, a, a challenge with the development. It's the same thing with the spirit. It is actually the same thing with the spirit. If you are born into Christ and you speak as a baby, we all understand that. But you cannot remain there. You must grow and master the language of the word and the language of faith because it puts you on a different level in communicating. That is where you and God can talk. Why would God go to Abraham and talk with Abraham? Because Abraham had that language, had that level, and it was a faith thing. It wasn't English or chi. It was a faith thing. And so God says, Abraham is my friend. It means I, I can talk to him. I can tell him my things. He understands. He gets me. Abraham speaks my language. Can God say that about you and I? Can God say we speak his language? As for me, I'm still working on it. Can God really say, we speak like, I love talking to Jenny because when I say it, she gets me and, you know, she quotes me, she says it, you know, because she, she trusts what I'm saying. Can God say that about us? Can God say that about us? But another thing this passage does is that it points the cycle to us. So you're here to come into that level of faith. But you must also speak it to move into higher dimensions of that same faith that you have received. Faith upon faith, grace upon grace. Hallelujah. And in this, in exercising, you know, your, your language or that language of faith or the word of God, we, we, we make corrections. As you go, you drop certain things. Oh, no, this is, ah, this is actually not the way for me to speak as a believer. Pan, you make corrections just like a child grows and knows that, oh, was and is maybe referring to the same kind of thing, but they are past and present tense. It's the same way we also learn. The more you learn, the more, you know, you learn the basics. And I mean, these things are founded. The more you learn, the more you know, the more you are able to express these better. You don't say that, oh, I won't speak it because I don't know a lot of the word of God. Can you tell a child, don't talk because all you know is, uh, is and you know, to let out. No, you don't do that. Children will learn. They will, they will make mistakes. They'll be corrected. Or sometimes they just keep observing. And then they are like, oh, it's not, this is not right. This is right. <laughs> and, and they grow. It's the same way. Anything you come to understand, you apply. You speak. And you grow in it. You grow in it. Hallelujah. You grow in it. Amen. So, Bible says, confess with your mouth. And then you believe in your heart. And the, the, the thing there is, someone will say, but Pastor, you, you were just saying that you must have the word in your heart, then you speak. So why is it that this is the pattern that Romans 10 tells us that is on your mouth or is in your mouth and is in your heart? I believe that Romans 10 is pointing us to what is beyond the speaking. What is beyond the speaking settles it even the more. I mean, when you tell someone, um, we had a testimony like that in this house where it hadn't happened, but based on the word that was being preached, the brother said he wanted to declare and say that based on the word he had caught. And true, 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 true to 
that, you know, testimony he got up, he, the miracle hadn't happened, but faith had entered him by the word. So he confessed that the situation was turned, true to where the situation turned. So what happens is that that speaking of the word takes you to a whole different level. It brings you into that place where you must see it. It puts you in the place where there's no question about it. And that is what is difficult for us. And that is where you can actually judge yourself and say, and, and we can ask you whether you really believe. Because a lot of us believe in our hearts, like, God, I know you can do it. But we are not, we don't have the boldness to speak and say that I believe my God is going to do this. We think, hey, Sambimwe, then hey, then God looks bad. God does not need your protection. He doesn't need your, your integrity for him to be honorable or noble or no. So that is a place that is difficult for a lot of us believers. That that place where it's like, hey, you let me not say it's a bar. That place where it's like, uh, why, why are you in the place of saying, uh, you let me not just say it, maybe when it comes. It's because you are here and there. That is the truth of the matter. If we won't lie to you, if we won't lie to ourselves, it's because still on that particular, maybe you are not like that across, so, but still on that particular matter, on the table at that time, you are still here and there. That is why you cannot speak it with conviction. Amen. So, believing of faith is perfected in our speaking and now doing what it is that we, we believe. It is perfected in our speaking and our doing what it is we believe. Amen. Now, this is what sets us apart from maybe people like the New Age people because they also hold the same you know if you believe something you they they even say you can think that things are naba <laughs> you can even think you can sit down and think that things are and the power of attraction they call it will bring the thing that you are sitting and thinking to you in fact i will not lie to you it works <laughs> it works but the problem with that is that's principle they are applying is not rooted in anything. So go and ask them. When, they, when storms rise in their life, go and look at how their lives look. Because that power of attraction that you are using anyhow, you can think that things, that the thing will come to you. It can work. It is a principle. So an unbeliever can take that principle and run with it. It will work for them. But the difference between that person and me is that my applying of that principle is rooted in Christ, is rooted in God. What happens is that if something should happen right now, if some wind should blow, some storm blows, I won't sink, I won't bend. Why? Because there is, I have, I have something I'm leaning on. I have something that I hooked that to. But for most of them, they believe in themselves. And the truth of the matter is that there's only so much self can do. So when you are sick and you are lying in that hospital, and it is self that you want to pull healing from, the, the self is the one that is sick. So the healing, think it without God. Think it, close your eyes and think it from self. Where is it? Where will it, which self? 
So that is what separates us from any other person who is applying that principle. You know, you meet people who have gotten ahead in life because, men they can talk. <laughs> Don't give them chance or give them chance. They will wrap you because they, they, they believe in themselves. And it opens doors. We know people like that. They can, you know, they can tell you. You sit in an interview and the person is telling you about themselves and you're like, wow. But he's talking about himself. They believe in self. It can work, but it can work only to a certain level. When you meet the real issues of life, self can never answer it. So that is what separates us from any other person who wants to apply this principle. And that is why I would tell you, if you want to be someone who's speaking the word of God, as for me, I will tell you, go and get roots. Go and get the word of God inside your system. When something happens, the first thought that comes to your mind should not be the scene you saw in a series. The first thought that comes to your mind is what God says. You know there are people whose natural way of thinking is like they, they think per maybe what they've read in, in maybe school or they think per, you know, something they watch, things they watch, you know, things happening, you know, something happens in your home and you're like, ah, sakrana, some moving sa or sana be money. And based on that, people can draw conclusions like, you know, people do that. You've not met people. Me, I've met some people. I, I, I met someone once and the person like, she, she would do some deductions. And when she finishes, she'll tell you, media, I'm smart. And you're hearing the thing, you're like, what? What? So she's able to, she, she can look at someone and decide that, oh, this person, this, this person has probably done this and this and this and this. And she'll add to it, medium, smart. And you're listening, you're like, how is that even godly? Why should it be, why should you be able to conclude all the negative things about the person? It's not even the spirit of Christ. What is smart? She will, as she herself will add to media, I'm smart. Like, but people do that based on, you know, there's some knowledge they've gone to get in psychology or some something. We speak on those levels and we all are prone to it. But what I'm saying is that if we will really stay in that realm, if we will really stay in who we are in Christ, there is no other access. There's no other way. It has to be this word. It makes you different. It, it, it opens your eyes. It gives you a different lens to look at everything. When men are saying there's a casting down, you'll be saying there's a lifting up. People will be wondering, what is she talking about? Lifting up. Now say, yeah, well, fem. But you are seeing something that they don't see. So please, let's go back to the word. Let's go to the word because it's the only place from where we can be able to do this and speak the word and it will be effective in our lives. Amen. I want us to go to James 3 as we near the end. We're almost there, hopefully. James chapter 3. I want us to go to James chapter 3 and I want us to just pick um, a lesson from James chapter 3. So from James chapter 3, I want us to pick the lesson on what 
the word, speaking the word of faith, what it can do. That's the lesson I want us to, to pick from James 3. What speaking the word of faith can do. What it can do. James chapter 3. So uh, a few verses around there, but let's, let's take verse 2. Let's start from verse 2. So it says, for we all stumble in many things. So this is on the back of if you want to be a teacher, then um, you know that you'll be held to stricter instructions. Okay, then it says that for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. <laughs> able also to bridle or to keep... Um, you know, to have master or mastery or control over to bridle the whole body. It says, indeed, we put bits into or in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we then turn their whole body. Then it says, look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, verse 5, the tongue is, is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest, oh sorry, see how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire a world of iniquity, the tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. Eish. Yeah. So when Proverbs says that death and life are in the power or the power of death and life are in the tongue, this is what it means. Your tongue will send you to hell. It is so powerful that it can destroy your life. It is so powerful that it can destroy another person's life. But in the same way, if you allow God to take charge of it, like that bit in the mouth, you know, the bit is what the you put it in, what you use to pull the horse. It's connected to uh, metal, like something like braces or something that hooks to their jaw, to into their mouth. So when a horse is going, you want to stop the horse, you will pull the rope. But what it does is that it pulls the mouth and then the horse feels a little, you know, discomfort and then it stops, knows to stop. If you allow the horse and you don't pull the reins, the horse will be going. You set a little fire, small parts of your forest, so you're better to bunch, you've gone to farm, yes. And you don't control that fire. 
And the Bible is saying that your tongue has the, that, that is what the tongue has been set in our members to do. So for me, if there's something in my life that I don't like, that means the tongue has been set in the members. God gave everybody parts for its purpose. And the Bible is telling us that the tongue has been set in our mouth or in our lives or as a member of the body. It's small, but it has been set for a purpose. It can destroy. So will you use it on yourself? Why would you do that? Why would you give the devil words to, you know, give him? Why would you let it weigh in his side? When the word of God doesn't say that about you, the word of God doesn't say you are nothing. The word of God doesn't say nobody loves you. He says, I, the Lord, I have loved you with an everlasting love and with loving kindness have I drawn you. The word of God does not say those things. So why do you say, why do we, let's say we, why do we say those things? And sometimes you can see someone, the person will go for prayer, pray hours, come out and just pour the whole thing. Just for the whole thing. Because everything we say is what the enemy uses to accuse us. That is what the enemy uses to say, oh, she doesn't even believe in you. She doesn't even believe that you can make her great. God, stop. Did you hear her? When Job went into his affliction, what did Job say? He said, the thing I fear the most has come upon me. <laughs> so it's not the sacrifice and things. So there was an issue. He loved God. He was giving sacrifice. But he hadn't dealt with the faith issue. What speaking the word of God does is that it can turn your life around. Like the bit in the mouth of the horse. It says when you pull the reins, it can turn the whole body of the horse around. It's small. It's a small gadget. But just pulling that ring will turn the whole body of the horse around. What speaking the word of faith does is it can turn our lives around. It will turn, not it can, it will turn our lives around. Speaking the word of God, speaking the mind of God, confessing and speaking what he says about us it will turn our lives around. It will turn our lives around. It will turn our lives around. That is what it will do. And it will set to fire anything that is not of God in our lives. So let's know how to use it. Because it has the power to set on fire. Let's use it. Let's not set our lives on fire. Let's set contrary things on fire. The next time you say something, I mean, yesterday I was somewhere and I was, I was so tired and at a point I was zoning out. So one person, one like top person in the industry, music industry said, oh, like, are you okay? And I said, oh, I'm stressed. And I, you know, I came home and when I was going through my notes, I was like, you know, this thing you've been saying, I'm stressed. That's why you are stressed. That is why you are stressed. The day you stop saying I'm stressed, you will not be stressed anymore. That's what you say. I'm not stressed. Stressed about what? When my father in heaven loves me, his eyes are on me everywhere I go. He's watching. 
and when I look through my life, how he's covered and walked with me till now, like this is the time I'll be saying I'm stressed. I'm not stressed. I'm not stressed. I'm not stressed. I'm, 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 maybe I'm not, I'm not being mature enough. Or you know how, you know, a child behaves. Maybe that's what I'm doing. Pouting and that's what we do. But that's not true. It's not really the case. And we must hold ourselves to higher. We must hold ourselves to higher. So speaking the word of faith will turn our lives around. Like that rudder in the boat. If we allow God to pilot it and steer the direction of that small rudder, it will take us to destiny. We just have to allow God to speak through us. That's the only thing. That's the only difference. Because if... You know, someone who wants to destroy you is the one holding the rudder. The person will stare you into destruction. That's what the devil wants. So the devil is always in our mouth speaking contrary things. And we call it, you know, that's how I feel. Or we call it, you know, I'm just being realistic. And, and it's a trick, the trick of the, of the devil. That's what he did in the Garden of Eden. He spoke with them and gave them a different perspective on he. Tweak the word, and he got them. That small tweak the word or trying to explain, oh no, God did not mean this. This is what God, this is what rather what God means. Simplifying, bringing it down to our carnal level because we take the word and it's, it's so good at this level, then we want to scale it down to our carnal self. The way our natural mind can, can, yeah. Yeah, this is it. But God doesn't want us to take the word at our level. He wants us to take it on his level. He wants us to take it on his level. So it's that same trick of the devil. And he defiles us all the time with what comes out of our mouths. Matthew 15, Jesus said, um, it is not what you put in. Because the, the Pharisees were accusing him and his disciples that even you can't eat, you don't wash your hand. You don't do ceremonial washing. I'm sure they're cleaning washing cry. They just, because it says they just plugged the thing they were eating. The Pharisees said, ah, your disciples are not following tradition. They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus said, stop talking too much. You people don't even do the right thing. And he goes on and he says that it is not what you put in. It's not food that will defile you. It is what comes out of your mouth, the words of your mouth. That is what will defile you. That is what will judge you, he says. That is what will send you into destruction. So let's be so mindful. Let's not give the enemy the tools to use against us. It says um, in Matthew is it 12, um, it says that every idle word we speak will, will be judged on it. What is an idle word? That is like empty talk. You'll be judged on it. That is why when you say something the next minute, you are, you are tested on that thing. We will be judged. Any insincere, any exaggeration we do, anything that you will be tested on it. And that is why I will keep telling you, before you go doing, I speak, I claim, I am, I, get it inside your system more because you will be tested. on. If you won't say it and then maybe it shows up, the enemy will try to tell you that it's not. The enemy will try to tell you that you are nothing. Things will happen in your life that are like, ah, but God, I believe. But God, I, I was claiming it. I was saying it. How you sustain the word of faith in your mouth will tell us whether you actually believed or not. 
And then the second thing I want us to answer today is what makes speaking the word of God effective in our mouths. And just basing it on what we just said, that it is the true understanding and true revelation in the word of God and in who God is, who Christ is, that is what makes it effective. So now we're going to take two passages that give us another insight into what happened in creation. It says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 19, it says, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. In Genesis, we just hear that he spoke and they're thinking. In Proverbs 3, we are hearing that the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. And then it says, by understanding, he established the heavens by his knowledge. <laughs> the deeps were broken up and the skies dripped with dew. And then you go to Jeremiah 10 and then it says this, almost the same thing. It says, it is he who made the earth by his power, who established who established the world by the by his wisdom and by his understanding he he has stretched out the heavens when he utters his voice there is a tumult of waters in the heavens when he utters his voice when he speaks and he's doing these things by wisdom he's doing it by understanding when he utters his voice there is a tumult of waters in the heavens and he causes the clouds to ascend from the end of the earth he makes lightning for the rain and brings out the wind for from his storehouse so what was happening was not just i feel like talking he was speaking from a place where he himself knew who he was. He knew that in him, spirit, life, everything existed. And he said, let me apply who I am. It was not just speaking on the lip. So what makes your speaking the word of faith effective is that it's not just on you. Don't let it, it should be in your lips. It should be in your mouth, but don't let it just be in your mouth. Last week we said, don't let it just be in this, your brain, no. Let it go deeper. Today, don't let it just be in your mouth. Let it come from a deep place of understanding, from a storehouse, from a storehouse of wisdom. Wisdom comes by, by hearing, knowing the word of God, and as you learn, it expands. Let what you speak, let it come from there because that is how Bible tells us, that is how God reveals or Bible reveals to us what God did in Genesis. He did it by understanding. He understood himself. He did it by a knowledge of himself, who he is. And we must learn who he is, understand what he says to be able to do the same. What are the conclusions today? Receive the word of God so you can speak it. Receive it so that you can speak it. And speak the word of God so that you can see it. Receive the word of God so that you can speak it. And speak the word of God so that you can see it. The second thing is when the word is tested. When the word of God in you that you have received. When it's tested in you. What will come out of your lips? What will come out of your lips? And so guard your tongue. Guard your lips. It says, because out of it will flow all the issues of life. Can you imagine? Out of this will flow all the, is all the issues of life. When it is tested, when it is tested, when it is tested. When the faith in your heart, when it is tested, make sure 
sometimes in panic, people say all kinds of things. I'm just imagining when the people entered the church in, is it um, Udu or in Niger? Or there's Owo and there's Aha. Uh -huh. So, yes, in Owo. When they entered, I'm just imagining what people like. Did they ask anybody? Do you believe in Jesus? What, what, you know? And I, I, I've read through church history, there were times where people would be taken to the stake. What it means when you're taken to the stake is that you are tied, you're alive, and then they put fire. You are tied to a stake and they put fire under you. That's what it means when you are taken to stake. And they would tell you, recant. What does recant mean? Turn back your words. Say you don't believe. And there were people who would be burning and they would be singing songs. That is when you know. They would be singing hymns and singing it until they are burnt to death. Let the word continue. to. When you are tested, make sure that there is a consistency in your words. Three, they say silence is consent. I say that silence is permission. There are two different things. Consent is you agree. But there are times in our lives where we don't agree. I don't agree that I am sick. I don't agree with the devil, that my life should not be where I don't agree. But because I won't speak, it allows him. So I say silence is permission. If you don't like it, let this tongue set fire. Make sure you pray the mind of God, you pray the word of God, and you disallow it. And make sure that you are speaking what you want. You are giving permission for what you want in your life. Use the tongue. To give permission. When Jesus was brought before Pilate, Pilate was asking, Pilate wanted to release Jesus. Do you know that? Pilate kept asking Jesus. Jesus wasn't saying anything. He said, don't would you speak? And he says, do you know I have the power? He said, hey, keep quiet. If it is not given to you from above, you can't do anything to me. In other words, the reason Jesus was quiet was because it had to happen. Not because he could not tell him his mind. So silence is permission. Go ahead. That's what it means. But it's not that, you know, people say, it doesn't mean, it's not, it's not consent. But what happens is when you are quiet, you let things happen. So if it is, if you have to be quiet, if that's where God is taking, then you, you are quiet and you have to have the wisdom to know what to do. But don't let things that are not supposed to be in your life, don't let them continue in your life. Do it in your prayer. Do it in speaking to one another. Sometimes you can even see that somebody is out of line, but let God use you as that instrument that speaks life, that speaks the mind of God, that continues to say, hey, what I see, what I believe God's word tell me concerning you is this, and continue. Parents must do that for their children. If you keep telling your child they are stupid, they will be stupid for you. They'll be, it will be your own stupid, they'll be stupid for you. You know, so let's use our, our tongues and let's not stay silent. Let's not give permission to the enemy. And the fourth conclusion I make today is that as we keep speaking, don't speak it once and say you didn't, it didn't, it didn't happen. As we keep speaking, Bible says, according to our key verse today, we are eating our own words because it says our belly will be satisfied with it. You are eating your own words. The words you speak, that is what is giving you life or giving you the death. What you are speaking out of your mouth, it is the food you are eating. So if it will kill you, if the words you are speaking will cause you to be sick, stop it. 
Let your belly be satisfied with good from your tongue. Let it be satisfied with life from your tongue. Speak the words. As you continue to speak, what happens is that your own life, your belly, this life will be filled with the good. At a point in time, we will begin to see the good show up on you. When you start to eat, oh, I'm changing my diet. In the beginning, maybe nobody will see it. You know that you are doing something. So sometimes people will come to you and say, ah, haven't you seen that I've lost weight? Nobody can see it, my dear. Go back and continue. You've not gotten there yet. That is the same way it is. When you when you are feeling yourself, you are saying the thing. In the beginning, it will be like nobody is seeing that thing. No, no weights. Ah, but I'm buying I want to gain weight. I'm eating. No, we can't see it. But if you keep at it over time, we will begin to see it work in you. So continue. Be consistent. Be consistent in speaking the word because the, your, your, your life, your stomach will be satisfied by it eventually. If you eat a little, maybe it won't reach you. But if you keep eating, it will satisfy you. Hallelujah. These are the conclusions we have today. And I believe that this is one of the keys to kingdom life. I believe it. I believe it because I have seen how it has affected me in the negative. I'm a very, I'm a pessimist. (laughs) Go and look for I am a pessimist. And I've seen in the few, in the very short time that I've started giving myself to the word of God, I've seen a change in myself, even the confidence in myself, like not as in believing in me as in I am, but even having enough confidence to stand and be who I'm supposed to be. It has shifted. Why? Because I found the word of God and I decided to sit on it. I decided, no, this thing must, I can't just be going and coming every day and say, I believe in Jesus. So let this thing be real in me. And I believe that if we would come into that place where we can have the word of God in us to the point where we speak it and it fills our lives, it will be different. If we can come to the place where we can do that for this church, it will be different. And I just commend you to this life of speaking the word of faith. Not just having it inside you, but speaking the word of faith. Please be on your feet as we we round up today. Thank you for listening to today's message. We're sure you were blessed. Let's get interactive also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ICGC Revival Temple. Connect with Pastor Jennifer on YouTube and all her other social media handles. God bless you.